Welcome to Psych Bites, the podcast that makes you think. So imagine you responded to an advertisement in the local paper, taking part in a psychology study, a piece of research into the effects of uh, punishment on memory. And upon arrival, you're introduced to another participant. You draw lots for your roles. You find out you're going to be a teacher and they're going to be the learner. And they are taken into another room and strapped into a chair while you are taken back to the main room with the experimenter and sat down in front of a rather overwhelming electric shock machine. The voltage starts at 15 volts, goes all the way up to 450, and you are told that you will give increasingly powerful shocks every time the learner gets a question wrong. Alone in the room with the experimenter, you begin your test. As the learner gets more and more answers wrong and begins to let out cries of distress, you would naturally turn to the experimenter, the individual in charge. And all you get back are these cold responses. Please continue. You must go on. The experiment requires that you continue. What would you do? I have to say that even now, after, let's say, nearly... 20 years of studying psychology, the, the Milgram experiments still utterly fascinate me. And I am very easily enamoured by them even now. I think that um, this particular episode is an opportunity really to reflect on, on the message of, of Milgram because there has been a lot of stuff that's come out in, in recent years and um, particularly a book that, that I'll talk about a little bit in the, during this podcast episode, you know, does does raise questions as to the validity of Milgram's work. But I think even aside from whether or not the participants believed that they were giving shocks to their um to the Confederate that they were that they were um assigned to to shock, I think that there's still a lot that can be taken from this upon kind of critical reflection that actually you know, what are we capable of? Because even if they did think that there was a possibility that the, the, the shocks were were fake, there's probably a possibility that they thought they were real as well. And so really it comes down to this question of, you know, what what would you what would you do, you know, if you were in their shoes? Interestingly, in interviews with some of the participants that I've heard in more recent years, you know, their responses to say things along the lines of, you know, you shut off your moral compass, you just get on with it, you know, because it's easier just to get on with it than to deal with the pressure of the experimenter. And essentially that's all Milgram was looking at. You know, what is that dynamic? What is that relationship between the experimenter and the participant? Where the participant feels this this dissonance between their own moral centre and the demands of a seemingly evil and psychotic um, researcher. And I think really that's, that's the thing we need to take from Milgram, because his interest in the social dynamics of, of, of group behaviour and, uh, and, and human behaviour on a, on a sort of wide scale as, as well as on a, on a smaller scale is just so crucial to our way of thinking about the world around us.
obviously Milgram's research is not without controversy and certainly individuals have tried to um, highlight this as a downgrading of the value of the of the piece of research itself but it's one of those things where you know you kind of have to say well what's done is done you know there's nothing you can do now to go back on that you know it is it has been conducted and whether or not ethical guidelines were followed and it's kind of a debatable area as well since ethical guidelines didn't really exist in the same way that they do today and so while yes participants were deceived and you know yes they were they were unaware of, of what they were being um the full truth of what they were being asked to do but but yeah certainly you know even with that you know you, you can't really undermine the the potential value there the question i guess is is whether or not they believed it whether or not they completely bought into it and in uh, 2013 gina perry published the book um behind the shock machine which was a kind of exploration really of of the of the archived material of Milgram's research and you know and, and it is quite a Herculean, Herculean effort on her part in that she has gone through um huge amounts of information um notes that that were taken by Milgram and his research assistants that that do perhaps query the reliability and the validity of his research you know did the participants believe it because ultimately that's that's kind of the most important thing um if they didn't believe that they were giving shocks then the whole thing is worthless so i guess at this point i have to really check my own confirmation bias um one of perry's assertions in behind the shock machine is that that milgram did act on a confirmation bias and that that he he saw what he wanted to see from his participants um and certainly for me, you know, as I've already said, I'm I'm a big fan of this piece of research. You know, it really, um, really affected the way that I thought not just um about the the kind of psychology and the science of of human behaviour, but also kind of more more wider and and more philosophically, what I felt about human behaviour and the potential in us all, um, to make decisions for good or for bad, um. You know, I guess that's the thing. When when things become that formative, we we kind of do wonder whether or not, you know, we we cling on to them with a with a degree of sentimentality. So, yeah, where, where does that where does that leave us? I guess is is my next thought or question. I should probably at this point explain really what confirmation bias is. Um, essentially. If you're a researcher and you have a particular hypothesis, chances are you you are going to see what you want to see because those are going to be the results that you want to support your hypothesis. And I think that, you know, we all have those inherent biases. I mean, this is really the topic of a whole other podcast. But I do think that, you know, in today's kind of information age where we are kind of saturated with information we do have a tendency to seek out the information that supports our own point of view as a matter of fact it, it was one of the uh, that that was a, a deciding factor for me in removing myself from certain social media um, platforms because I, I realized that I had obviously self-selected the things that I wanted to, to follow the things that I wanted to see the voices that I wanted to hear 
And because of that, I'd obviously tended towards things that I agreed with already. And so what made other people happy made me happy, but also what made other people angry tended to make me angry. And when things were going on in the world that, that were um, contentious in that in that regard, you know, I found that my mood was quite radically affected by that. And so I think, you know, in that instance, I made a really <laughs> quite a difficult choice in, in choosing to take myself away from it and kind of step away from it for good. But I tell you what, I have not looked back. So coming back to our question of, of Milgram and, and, and whether or not the research has value and whether or not it still holds up today, I, I sort of feel that's something that you have to kind of decide for yourselves, you know, if we think about it from the ethical standpoint, I guess my overriding opinion is that anything that is going to be ethically contentious has to be considered on a cost versus benefits analysis. So yes, the cost to the participants is high and it's higher than it would be ordinarily for psychological research because of the many different potential ways in which they might be exposed to kind of a negative influence. But at the same time, the benefits of that research and the potential outcomes of that research and the conclusions are really important. We can't step away from that. On the other hand, the question of validity is slightly more thorny and, and definitely more difficult because without actually asking the participants directly, you know, did you believe? That the shocks were real and, and obviously now many of those participants are no longer with us and so you know we we, we kind of are, are left in a a bit of a sort of limbo state of thinking well will we ever know well possibly not so i guess to finish the point that we need to come to is one of saying that okay there may well have been participants who didn't believe it but ultimately we can't deny the, the overarching power of an authority figure and the impact that that has on human behavior ultimately even without milgram we have a huge amount of evidence and research that suggests that the simplest thing, the simplest sign of authority, whether that's a lab coat or a uniform or whatever that might be, has a big impact on the way that people make decisions, on the things that they choose to do or the things that they choose to not do. And I'm grateful for Milgram. I'm grateful for his research. I'm grateful for the, the light that he shone in the mid-1960s when up until that point so many people had been convinced that the reason that the, the, the atrocities took place during the Second World War was because there was something different about the German people. That was why. And actually, ultimately what he did was caused people to stop and to concede none of us are perfect but all of us have that potential and actually there is something deeply humbling really about the impact of his research in that regard thank you for listening to Psych Bites the podcast that 
hopefully makes you think 